0: right, here we are after a week off. We're back. We're back. I mean, to you, we've been here the whole time, which I find very reassuring. Yes. But we have taken a week off to finish up some editing and some other projects, and now we have once again gone up the stairs, around the corner, down the hall, and to the tiny little room full of clothes on the far side of my room called My Closet. For another exciting episode of
1: Two Clowns in a Closet. You
0: are nailing the brand.
1: Why, thank you. That's
0: so good. Well, we're here. We still have a few questions.
1: We do. We continue to have questions.
0: Yeah, we're working our way through the pile. But that said, if you do have one, you want to add to our exciting array of things we're going to cover. Or if you've been listening and at this point you think, I really want to know about that thing in episode two, we would love to tell you. So, so let us know. Yeah, send us something either over uh, over our, via the contact form at our website,
1: over email,
0: uh, which is also on that same page. Yes. Or um, our, on the on the uh, on Mastodon on the Fediverse. We'll, on the Feddy. We'll post our our handles, so you can handle us. Ooh. I feel bad that I said
1: it. That felt very strange. I,
0: I was trying for something, and I missed, and then I didn't know how to get back. And there wasn't a map, but then I was in a closet with this bald weirdo, and I didn't know what to do. Read the question. Oh, good plan. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That may be the fastest way I ever got here.
1: It might be, but I kind of doubt it.
0: You think? I actually know the, uh, the, the longest.
1: How long it's taken us to get to the, To, to, to the walk question.
0: through a door, sit down, and read an index card. How long do you think it takes us? Without looking.
1: Um. Well, I've looked. Oh, well, now it's I've not fun. I've looked in the past. I have, <sighs> I have an idea of how long it typically takes us. Okay. I don't know how long the longest was.
0: I'll say this. This might be longer only because the only way to make it longer was to go meta and discuss... The fact that it takes us a long time to get around to reading the first question as a way to delay reading the first question.
1: Is there something wrong with your glasses? Is there why are you delaying?
0: I just I was enjoying settling in and sharing sharing the moment, smelling the lovely closety aroma.
1: You just commented on the aroma. I'm gonna just grab
0: the cards. Yeah, we got we got things to do, kid things to do first question on this card yes enabling us to stop talking about the fact that we're sitting next to all my shoes and they smell
1: that they, was a choice you made just that, now that was another choice that was a you truth
0: made. i shared is what i like to say i have shared a truth. you're not
1: even sitting close to this the shoes i'm the one sitting close to the shoes yeah
0: that's one of the perks of being in charge you get to sit a full two feet away from the smell of your own feet Well done. Someday, someday all of that will be your problem. (laughs) Thanks. Least I can do. So the first question on the card here now is... How do real clown situations differ from their usual portrayals in popular media? For example, the birthday party, busking in the tourist quarter, between burlesque acts, and distracting bulls away from fallen cowboys...
1: Well, that's not a small question. No, no. Okay.
0: settle settle in. I, w- I will say that uh, I have a limited experience with some of these. I and uh, I don't know. There's a lot here.
1: I feel like I feel like we can take this on together. I don't think the
0: the back and forth. The back
1: and forth is going to work as well. Well, then I,
0: since I did the asking, I'll start with you. Tell me about the media portrayal of the birthday party and how it differs from your experience from my
1: experience your of the ex- party. Your, your
0: lived experience.
1: Well, I'm not. sure that I've got a clear view on what the media portrayal actually is. Um, I can say that I have not done a lot of birthday parties. Um, Mm -hmm. What I have discovered is that what appears to be requested when it comes to what someone's looking for from a birthday party clown is some combination of A babysitter, a face painter, and a balloon-twisting artist.
0: Like a vending machine wearing grease paint.
1: And those are all totally awesome skills if you have them. They are not the skills I have. Not
0: even a little bit here.
1: Um, I have done, like, one birthday. I've done, like, one birthday party wherein I went and played with a lot of kids on jungle gym equipment and we just played the imagination games that the kids were already playing and I just helped that along and then eventually did the required few minutes of juggling that the parents seemed to really want and that was about it
0: i wasn't there i
1: had a great day
0: i wasn't there i I, like i'm having trouble piecing this together and i suddenly realized this wasn't one i was a part of
1: you were not there wow i took this one by myself i mean it was through
0: through the the, the company through the agency (laughs) Through,
1: through the agency through the company but it was it was uh one that i was on my own for i think I don't know that I can really speak to it. I know that it's not it's not the skill set I have
0: but but what what about it the the question is what about that to you differs from the birthday party i mean i know I know the trope the trope is some some poor schmuck in a I'm, I'm I'm leaning into that some poor schmuck in a in a clown costume goes to a kid's birthday party and it's sad and they they don't have any skills unlike us who are highly skilled sad people in
1: costumes I think I think that the majority of birthday party clowns, from what I have been able to gather, really know their stuff, and it is not sad at all. It's actually very enjoyable, they know what they're doing, they're spending, they are giving exactly what the kids and the parents are expecting, and everyone has a good time.
0: You know, there are two types of clown performers in the world, I think. There are those who can do children's birthday parties marvelously, and then there is those who don't. And I think the secret of success in this work is to figure out which one you are very quickly. Um, I think of the people who do it well, and I immediately think of uh, the, the Paiso, the Mexican party clowns. They sp- oh,
1: they're amazing. Their
0: whole skill set is they're sort of like MCs, and they they engage, and they, they bring games, and they bring little s- sketches, and they're, they're really about keeping a party movie, moving, making a party where, where there's nothing. And we're much more about coming into an environment and exploring it. So it's it's almost like, well, how do you use a screwdriver to open something that requires a wrench? It's a totally different tool and a different skill set used to to accomplish that. So yeah. I think the reality is any sadness that comes out of it is ill is being an ill fit. I did do a couple, and I remember vividly the babysitter thing. But most of all, the tragedy was I was asked to come and perform. And I was asked to do something like that. And they said, it's time for you to do your show. and they moved me down front. And they put me there. And then they turned a, a Disney film on behind me. And so there I was trying to compete with Disney. and That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Why why? why have both? Disney was probably that day cheaper. Um but the the reality is we're, you know, they didn't really know what to do with us either. So I think the 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 real depiction, the reality, not the depiction, is that, the people who have the skill set to come in and take charge of the situation and make it a good experience do really well with that and mm-hmm. i am i'm am in awe of that and not that person so uh let's let's check box that one i think we
1: yeah we've, i think that that covers that
0: busking in the tourist mm-hmm. quarter or tourist or a tourist area
1: I have not gotten the chance to do that really really i i have I've witnessed busking um both in the United States you, and in Europe,
0: yeah, but you've never passed a hat yourself.
1: But I have not passed a hat myself.
0: Well, then moving moving on as we have we have different experiences. That's good. Do you have any idea how they were different, like on the screen versus in the room? Um, well, on the street,
1: I feel I feel like the. I feel like media might portray that busking is a thing that happens more in America than it does. And true implies that if you have a skill, go ahead to whatever is close to your downtown and busk Um,
0: where it's not always legal.
1: I was about to say, make sure you've checked your local laws before deciding to make that an attempt, because a lot of anti panhandling legislation is written in such a way as to definitely include buskers. So you, you won't be able to be out there legally.
0: It's, it's interesting. This city uh, where we are based did not used to allow for any uh, street performance at all in the central business district. And a, a number of, some number of years ago, they, they revised the law, and there was a group trying to get that into the public consciousness, getting people comfortable with the idea. And they did a big project with the city uh, at one of the big parks. And they brought us in as one of the performers. They had some musicians. They had us. They had a few other things going on. And it was really interesting because I've gotten to do it and I've done it there and I've done it other places, but it's absolutely a different experience. When you see on TV, you see somebody does a show and then passes a hat and magically there's money. And that's, I mean, that's how that works. But in reality, it's not like that. In reality, what I think is the problem is when you take the hat and you hold it out, you make it about that. And then you put it down and then you start t- doing your show and then midway through you have to explain that there's a hat. And then you go on to the next trick and you start building towards a big thing where you're explaining that there's a hat. And everything you do, before you do the next big trick, I want to remind you there's a hat. And it all becomes about that. And to me at least, it stops being about the work. And Because that's,
1: it's all about the
0: hat. It's all about the hat. And it has to be. It has to be. It is the structure of that. And don't get me wrong. Some of the greatest performers that have ever worked on a stage, got their start street performing. Some of them, I think like me, figured out, oh, I don't like that aspect of it. But I will tell you one thing that you never see on TV that I love. But I got to tell you the bad side and the good side. Okay. So the bad side looks like this. You're out there doing your thing. You've been asked to perform. You've been given given the green light to perform. You're out there doing your thing. You got your hat on. You're doing the whole thing. And a family comes by and you're like, hey, and you do this. And the mother grabs the head and says, no, no, thank you. We don't want that. And walks them away. Like like your whole thing became about a sales pitch. That's dark and grim and sad.
1: Oh, that's awful. I have had that happen. I have been mistaken oh. as somebody who is busking when I was on one of our larger um walk around roving events mm-hmm. where families were going through that didn't necessarily know that there was an event going on. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so they were, they were like, no, thank you. And
1: so, the, like, straight up, I've had, I've had somebody walk through, turn, like, pull their child away from me. Oh, that's the worst. And say, no, thank you.
0: To, to brighten the mood. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can look back if we need to. The good side of this is every now and then you'll see a family. The family will watch her a while, and they'll confer. They turn into a little, a little meeting. And mm-hmm. then somebody opens their wallet or their purse, and they hand money down to the smallest child they have, like they go get one if they don't have a small child. <laughs> Here, and they they explain that like if you like. If you like the performer, go ahead and put this in their hat, and they explain the ritual of it, and you see a, a toddler with money in their hand come toddling towards you, like they can barely walk, and they're they're usually they're very young, but they're happy and they're timid and they're afraid and they're going to do this, and you you know take the money out of it you just you just gave a child child understands what money is they're not stupid it's the i vote for that you know i like that i want that it's the i want to feed that i want that to be in the world i want candy i want that and the child gets to do that and i think i think more people more people would be benefited by giving children that experience and it's interesting because you can get right up alongside a lot of, you know, business versus arts sort of conversations. And that's, that's not what's exciting. What's exciting is this child is, like, timid and scared and afraid and is trying to put this in. And you need to have a moment with them but also not scare them and also not stop having this giant show that's going on. And so you're trying to do all these three things. So as a performer, it's really exciting. And for them, it's a big, it's a big moment. They've, they're supporting the arts in the most literal way. And the family's over there having a great time because they're getting that, that moment. And everybody's winning and it's, it doesn't happen all the time but when it does it feels really good and you never see a depiction of that moment and that is the moment the other moment I've had um, I got hired to work at a really really big uh, festival and as I was leaving and uh, I was leaving to, you know go back to my hotel for the night I saw a kid out front of this giant festival with a guitar and a guitar case just playing his heart out and he couldn't have been older than 14 and I just whatever money I had I just threw at him and I was having a great week, and I was being paid really well to do my job. So I said, here you go, share the wealth. And the kid looked at me. Like, clearly, it was the first time it had ever happened. And he didn't. you could see. I don't think he believed it was going to happen.
1: And, oh, wow. And
0: he learned that it's good. So it's not about the money, though. It's about the, the, val- the validation, the yeah. appreciation. Yeah, I think that's what you don't see in the media portrayal. Because the truth is, and I'll be completely transparent about this, Busking is terrible money. Um, for the most part, it's, it, if the area does not support it vividly, uh, it's very difficult to make a living that way. Um, you know, we were doing it because we wanted to promote, you know, the, our company mm. wanted to promote that happening in our city, not because we thought we would make a paycheck that way.
1: Yeah, and, I think there are places in the world where you can.
0: Oh, yeah. It's just not here.
1: Yeah.
0: And I've, I've not done any, any any hat work outside. Uh, outside of, all, outside of uh, the States. What I will say, though, is I did come up with the best hatline of all time. Hatline is uh, when you're presenting your hat and you say, thank you very much, please pay me. Uh, but I came up with a good hatline. I, I told everybody, I said, thank you very much. If you give us a little bit of money, we'll spend it on food. Thank you. And if you give us a lot of money, we'll spend it on food and anything we have left, we'll spend it on soap because we've been out here in the Texas heat all day. You're welcome nice and it worked <laughs> it worked so that's that's a good one um no further thoughts on busking no oh, i
1: think uh, that's it i think
0: that's good so the next one is uh this this i have a I, I have a lot of experience with you have a bit of experience between burlesque acts Another
1: thing. Uh, booby
0: booby 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 booby, booby ha ha booby 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 booby, booby ha ha like that yeah that's you that's me. That's well. That's all of us. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's that's the job that just got described. That is
1: the job. That's that's. The I job. will. I
0: will expand that to say that vaudeville, that burlesque is also the the whole of, of vaudeville, the whole of variety performance. <laughs> to, to, so we're yeah.
1: talking more vo- Fozzie Bear than.
0: That would be the media portrayal. Yeah, Milton Burl and Fozzie Bear. Yeah, there you go.
1: Oh, <laughs> ouch. That's you. Um.
0: Booby 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 Milton Berle. Booby 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 Fozzie Bear. I'm just going to say that until this isn't...
1: Until this isn't funny anymore? because to, that's, it's, it's
0: still funny right it's now. It's still yeah.
1: funny. Um, I have not done that as much of this. Um,
0: You've done some. I've
1: done some. Particularly when you expand it to um, variety on the whole, as opposed to specifically burlesque mm-hmm. as, it's, as that term is currently applied. Um, oh,
0: that's not to diminish, actually, not to diminish burlesque performance, which I think is no, v- very cool. No, no,
1: just a recognition that the the term has changed. Yeah. Because at one point it, it didn't refer to a...
0: It referred to the entire night of variety, not, yeah, not a particular of variety, type of not, performance. Not a type
1: of performance. And no. it, it now means a type of performance where, in an interesting way, people are removing their clothing. Which is awesome. But um, I'm trying to think of how it differs.
0: Well, what's the reality of it like?
1: The reality of it. Well, for one, people actually do think things are funny sometimes. I feel like the I feel like the portrayal is always of somebody just failing.
0: The des- well, the desperation is there for sure.
1: Yeah, where it's just like, uh, okay, I'm here.
0: You know where that comes Good from. Good luck. You know where that really comes from? It's not about, it's not about making fun about comedians. comedians. So where o- does it come from? So often during a set change or a, you've got something going on that you need to close the curtain, mm-hmm. they push the comedian out, the comic, the vaudeville clown, yeah. the comic out front. And so just keep them busy for a minute while we do this so the energy doesn't drop. And, oh, no. And so they have to be ready on a moment's notice to be literally grabbed by the lapels and thrown on a stage. And I think the desperation is, okay, I've got something in my bag of tricks for this, but oh, something is going on you don't know. And I have been in both situations. I've been asked to fill for time. I've been in situations where lighting boards blew out. I've been in situations where uh, pieces of rigging would not unbolt from the ceiling, and they needed to fill time, and they'd shove me out there. And you hope the audience loves you. And I've I've been out there when I just... You know, was having a nice moment and doing my thing, and it was good. Um, the clown often gets plugged in—is that like fill the fill the low energy area, go out and be human with the people?
1: And I've done that. I've done a, I've done that with with things, but, uh, but normally you know, when I've done it, it's been part of the plan.
0: It's all part of the plan. You know, when we started, and I, I know where you got your opportunities from. Uh, when we were doing the variety shows coming up, mm-hmm. we didn't have a curtain and we didn't have a wing. Yeah. We used to joke that we were too poor to afford these nice theater things. But we had a stage and some lights and we were going to make it work. And what that meant is you could see the techs. Yeah. You could see the techs watching the show. You could see the techs watching the board. You could see the techs moving the gear on and off the stage. And at first they were just like very nervous about it. And eventually we all kind of got the idea that like that's your moment. You're moving a mic stand. You got a cable. You get one chance. And as long as you're not – as long as you're either making the room happy or not killing the moment – it's yours. And if you do something brilliant, it's great. And everybody leaned into that, and I leaned into it and said, okay, anytime someone sees that opportunity, let's let's use it. And we trained a lot of clowns that were like sound techs. Uh, we just, I, that took, was,
1: I took my turn as sound tech, yeah. Um,
0: and the, the edict in that show, the gag in that show is that the host that I was playing wasn't allowed to touch the microphones or the tech. It was too destructive. Couldn't touch the tech. Yep. The reality was I was trying to support performers and techs learning their skills, and I wanted to to back them up but it was really funny because there became this thing where like a microphone needed to be moved and I was standing on stage and I wasn't allowed to touch and if I went to lean to help someone would literally come and chase me out of the way and they would have this power moment it was very funny stuff but it's born out of the the greater need of the overall the overall picture of the show and I think when you're looking at like the media portrayals we see the sweaty desperation of the comic we don't see why that's we don't see the bigger picture of why that's going on
1: yeah yeah
0: so I think, I think that's the big one. Uh, the other thing is that if you are in a show, it's very common in modern burlesque to have every performance is a burlesque performer, a, a, a in the modern definition, burlesque mm-hmm. performer, someone who is doing an erotic dance routine of some sort. And in that, you're bringing in a contrast. And the audience either loves that they've, they've been given a break because they were starting to go, and I did not make this term up, but they're starting to go booby blind, Where they've just seen so much, they've seen enough skin that they need a a reset, Uh, and I am the perfect solution to that problem because (laughs) I am in every way the opposite of that, uh, including in the way I work. So there's there's the contrast, and so hopefully they're excited about that. Or again, it's it's just something different, and I I love the classic vaudeville. You got a song, you got a poem, you got a dancer, you got this, you got that, you got a circus, you got a clown. I love those kinds of shows. I've always been a big fan of them. Um, it's the sort of variety that I enjoy doing. And, I, you know, I think there was a vaudeville movement, a neo-vaudeville movement. And I think we've, we've lost it a little bit now in the name of trying to do as much of one thing as we can. And I would love to see more opportunities to return to that an evening with... You're, you have a show, and the evening is spent with the show, and you you know maybe you have a couple of drinks or you have dinner i'm I'm wary about dinner theater because I've had rough experiences um, but I like the idea of the audience just sort of relaxing and then they get a little bit of everything over the course of the night, and maybe it gets a little body later at night or maybe it gets a little uh, emotional at some point, but it gets all these different um all these different flavors yeah and i I like that
1: yeah, I love that I think. We were in the middle of a of a resurgence before everything shut down, so it it, I mean, it, it 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 may pick back up again.
0: I was I was noticing the problem of variety losing specifically variety, not variety performers, but variety performance, where you start seeing a little bit of everything and, and that sort of kind of skill share going on, where everybody was presenting their their creativity. It's it's not. I hadn't seen as much of it in recent history, and i I missed it, yeah um and i want i I think I would like to at some point again return to that because it's it's a fun way to work when yeah. and and the pressure's off everyone no one person has to do it all. it's very low pressure, so it's fun it's fun to throw that together. I've gotten to be the guest. Uh, in both, both produced their shows but also gotten to be the guest in other people's variety shows and it's so much fun to show up and like everybody knows each other and you're the new person and they get to know you and they love you and they're excited for something new but they also feel comfortable and familiar. That's a fun place to oh, end that's up. That's nice, yeah. It's a fun place to be. It's a fun, fun place to end up.
1: What else have we got?
0: Ah, the last one is distracting bulls away from fallen cowboys. Um, I have not done this so I can't speak to it. The closest I have ever gotten I, uh, I was asked to be a moral support, like a moral support clown. They had a water station and a marathon, a charity marathon. Mm-hmm. And they said, we want you out there and want you to cheer people on. And I didn't really think about it until I got out there. But I'm standing out there and then suddenly a couple thousand people run past you all at once. and That's it's a lot of people. It's intimidating. Yeah. And instead of standing on the side and waving, I was in the middle of the street. And I realized it was like the running of the bulls. <laughs> And next thing I knew, I was was like a matador going toro, toro, and he tried just trying to make something happen, and it got really funny, because I I was literally a human idiot in the middle of this run of human bulls, and people started doing bull horns with their hands as they ran past me, and it it got really funny, and it was it worked out really, really well, and eventually somebody tossed me a little cape. A little, oh, like, it was like a piece of cloth, flag, or a cloth something. They handed me something that was red, and so immediately from far away, you see me standing there like a matador as you come running towards me, and then I pull it out, and then people just get excited, and they put,
1: oh yeah, that's got to get they a put great their horns charge. out. and then
0: you tell them that they were adorable, unstoppable, um, yeah, you, you any bull joke. invincible, jo- invincible, yeah, any bull joke you can come up. With. This is my joke, don't steal it. I came up with this, I was very proud of it. Um, but, yeah, that's the closest I've ever gotten. I will say that is also the event where I finished a marathon.
1: But you weren't hired to run it. It's
0: it's true. I also wasn't at the start of it. But I had to show up at the end. Uh, honestly, um, I had to show up at the end to you know to meet up and get my check. Uh, so I'm there, and I couldn't park anywhere nearby. And so I parked a couple blocks away in full dress. And so I'm, I'm going to go walk towards all the people. And I walked towards all the people. I wasn't really thinking about it. No one was really thinking about me because they knew they had all seen me. So they're like, hey, and I'm like, hey, yeah, so they like this way, right? And they're like, yeah. Uh, the left up ahead is okay. And I'm just walking along and I turn left and I realize I'm walking towards the finish line. I had been talking to the runners.
1: Oh, goodness.
0: So suddenly I'm walking towards the finish line in full drag and there's, a lot of people and a lot of media coverage watching me walk towards the finish line and it's sinking in that I have made a decision and I am puffing out my chest going, that's right, I'm here to be funny. Somebody came running and did a floor slide with this big long camera lens and shot this great picture that I sadly do not have but was on the, it was on the cover of a newspaper of oh, me, great. of a clown finishes off, you know, such and such marathon. It was just like, oh, that's nice. And I ended up. I ended up walking, but they they made a big deal out of it because it was so funny. They they like made a big deal. They presented me with a with a medal. Wow. Which I still have. So I was given a medal, I got to stand on the the winner's circle. I got to go to part of the party after party. Uh, none of which was part of my plan and not, I was not like booked to do that. I just it was already happening and it, at that point they were getting a little extra work out of me that day because it was too funny and I was going to be able to tell this story but that is the closest i've ever come to uh to to uh, keeping the bulls at bay. How about you? Wow. Have, have you ever been in a barrel?
1: I i have not. Um <laughs> i did actually find myself doing a deep dive on learning about this though.
0: What what prompted that?
1: So when i moved to when i moved to texas, i was staying with some cousins who are locals. Uh-huh. And when I say my cousins are locals, I mean they are Texans. They are proud of being Texans. Lots of people are. And therefore, they took me around to every Texas thing they could. Okay. Um, and one of these is, of course, to go up to Fort Worth, and go see um, a a. Uh, I have lost a term.
0: You've lost the here. Let me help. I'll hold up the. I'll hold up. No, the, but
1: the car doesn't have that. Rodeo. Wow. You brain. Lost, you I lost the, the word, word rodeo. rodeo. I'm talking about rodeo clowns. clowns
0: but you couldn't. Separate. But I couldn't
1: come up with the. Well, word. Well,
0: they're kind of inseparable.
1: They are inseparable. Okay, so. Uh, We went to the rodeo, and I didn't think much about it, but then I saw that rodeo clowns don't just do the thing that is hopping into the arena to pull the attention of a bull away from a fallen cowboy. They also, they do bits.
0: Wait, in the middle of the...
1: They do bits in the arena.
0: Oh, now I have a new newfound respect. Newfound respect. Between
1: things, they have a whole like there's it's a tradition, and they have a whole bunch of different bits that are standards. Okay. And they're different standards than you'll see in circus, which I think is really interesting.
0: I would imagine thematically they would have to be.
1: And one of the most bizarre things I saw when I was when I was doing a dive on this. Is that where we're in American clowning. We joke a lot that all American clown sketches end with why. I you
0: you have to learn how to say it appropriately before you're allowed to graduate from any American clown program. Say it, show us.
1: Why i Oops. Yeah,
0: And then you run away. And
1: then you and then you chase somebody. Why I Ah.
0: Yeah, like that.
1: Uh, so so there's that back that that is how you end. I mean it's really hopefully bad. that's not well, how you end That's how you a end routine. your career after a certain point. Yeah, but it is how some classic gags end. And that is not how rodeo clowns end their gags.
0: Do they say giddy up? How do, what do they do?
1: A bull is released onto <laughs> the <laughs> Into the area. No. Yes. Really? At least pinky one, swear. at least Pinky swear. It happened. Pinky swear I have seen video footage of I don't remember whether it was 3 or 4 clowns came out and set <laughs> up a card table in the middle of the arena. Yeah. And started playing cards. Okay. In a very clown, very over-the-top, very big way. I don't remember what else happened. I'm confident something else happened. Sure. I have completely forgotten because all I can remember is all of the clowns throwing the cards in the air as a bull had been released into the arena. Wow. One of them distracting the bull and the rest of them clearing the card table and the cards.
0: I need to take a moment. Officially, to any audience I've ever intimated was a rough audience or the show was rough and I I have never been stampeded off by 1500 pounds of angry pot roast I officially have been complaining too much the rodeo clown wins the day as far as I'm concerned thank yes. you so thank
1: it is you. it is a I, I don't know a hundred percent how media portrays it
0: I didn't but know about it that.
1: is intense I,
0: I all I know is clown jump in barrel you know bull Wander around. That's all. That's all I knew. I had no idea about what you just told me.
1: Oh yeah, me.
0: we're gonna we're gonna find a link and we're gonna we're gonna share this because yeah. it's too good not to. Um, that that sinks the question. So um, the answer is we don't watch enough television. Correct. And, and uh, we have very bad opinions about what happens um, when we're asked to. And I did not know enough about rodeo uh, to know that it was le- it was a lethal blood sport. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. Next question.
1: All right. Uh, next question. All right. How did you explain your choice of profession to the people in your life when going off to clown school?
0: I took them with me. <laughs> I mean, the, the reality is is that, you know, I live in a little clown house with my little clown family, and we do clown things, and we go on adventures. We're, you know, we're very very uh, tight-knit little group. And because of that, I've just—I've never had— um, I never had anyone that I had to like, you know, I, I joked I didn't really have to come out to everybody except for them to, for them to go, oh, yeah, them, you know, you being a clown makes sense. But what I will say happened that was interesting was something I've come to think of as the gap, uh, the physical gap between people, which was when I was I was getting started getting my health together as a very unhealthy person. I, I haven't really talked about this during this, but I used to weigh like 300 plus pounds and the plus was a lot of pluses i smoked two packs a day i used to drink circus saved my life because it gave me a reason to get in my body and a reason to play and something to get into and i got very i got very involved and in That's why i'm as passionate about it as i am because i'm convinced it saved my life um but during the time where i was sorting that out I had friends that were younger and active and doing all the things and they were occasionally sitting on the couch and I was occasionally getting off the couch. And I think we were friends because of that little little space that's there that we shared. The, the overlap. The overlap. And then what happens is I become more active and they get a little older and a little more sedentary. And I'm like, let's go do a thing. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to just stay here. I go, okay. And I go, and then you end up meeting more people and they're doing things. And when you first get into circus arts, flow arts, circus arts, all of it, it's really exciting because the early part, and this is what I love about it, It's very accessible. Anyone can try juggling. You can throw a hat in the air. You can try your hand at stilts if someone will help you. You could try a little. There are simple acrobatic moves you can try. There's a lot you can try. And I was trying everything. I was like, and my my belief is that if you're interested in circus arts, try everything and figure out the one that, that grabs you and focus in on that for a while. And then as you step back from it, don't think, oh, I'm losing the magic. Just see what else is there. But what happened was all of these young people were with us. Um, I was a bit older than everybody around me um, because I think a lot of people either were healthy from the get-go or had stopped trying to do these sorts of things. And I was going and doing and, and, and out there and excited and little by little this thing happened where once you got past that beginner's mind, that nice open everybody can play moment and it actually requires the time and the the focus and the, the willingness to keep going.
1: The there, determination. Yeah,
0: the determination. There becomes a little bit of a gap. And that further happens. I remember one of the founding members of the Circus Freaks was this incredible movement artist. I mean, just incredible. And we were all in awe of their skill. And we all would say things like, oh, we're going to get up to your level. Just give us a chance. Just let us, we'll just keep going. And everybody was happy. And we all got a little better. They stayed there. They got a little, we got a little better. They stayed there. One day we got at the same level and it was great. Because we are like, oh, we're doing all this stuff. And then we kept getting a little better, the core troop, and this person stayed there. And we passed them and suddenly there was a gap. And we were like, come on. And they were like, oh. they got intimidated. Because I think they were just young and happy and doing. And we were in, a pro, in an iterative, creative, physical process. And there became this gap. And this gap manifests all the time. And the ultimate place it manifested for me, I remember when I decided to get interested in acrobatics, and I was working with some acrobats, and one day I dragged myself. The the worst kid in the room, I said. I, I dragged myself in the room, and I realized everybody there was half my age, had eight years of circus training. I didn't know what I was doing. I barely had the physical capacity to be in the room. But, and you've heard me say this. Yes, I have. But I was in the room. And being the worst kid in the best room is a really interesting place because you can see both sides of it. You can see with great respect all the work someone is doing that you haven't done yet. And you can see how far you've come reflected off people who, have, who are in their spot on their journey. And unfortunately, there have been a lot of spots where that was lonely, whether it was because I was working with someone who was just so far above my level, they had to go do their own thing or because I had just kept going. And why I'm so excited about working, well, with you right now is because you and I are learning a skill together. And so for the first time, I'm really, I've got someone I'm, I'm working with together. I mean, I've studied clown with lots of people and we're clown, but I mean, a, a circus skill. Yeah. And so that's really, that's really exciting. So I didn't, I didn't have anyone to, who was gonna react negatively, but a lot of people, I think, just organically stepped out of my life. And that's, it's, it's a little sad, but then, you know, you have the reunion, you catch up to them one day and it's really nice. And or you, you, they see you at a show and they're like, wow, when did this happen? You're like, well, you remember that three years when, when I wasn't around, This is what I was working on, you know, and that's, that's what a lot of it's about for me. So that's, that's how I answer that question. Um, for you, how did you explain your choice of profession to the people in your life when you went off to clown school, when you went off to it?
1: I didn't (laughs) (laughs) Um, at least not initially so when I first got involved in flow arts
0: which we have defined previously
1: yes when I first got involved in flow arts I think I described that and explained that mostly that I was getting in shape and I would found a fun way to do that oh yeah and I was hanging out with friends um yeah. however however fire was involved so my family members were not so very thrilled i think justifiably concerned is the is yes the right answer. um so not thrilled and so uh as i found myself getting further involved and getting more interested and i think i just didn't bother explaining myself To a lot of the people around me. I just said, I'm going to be doing this thing. And I'll see you later. Um, Because... My best case scenario was going to be kind of a... You know that thing where somebody has decided that it's their job to be supportive, but they actually don't want you to be doing any of the things you are doing? So they say all the supportive things. I get the idea. But they don't mean them. I get the idea. I ran into some of that. Mm -hmm. um, And I I kind of knew that I was going to be running into that. And so I just sort of filled people in as it had already happened.
0: So... I know for a fact that you were encouraged towards music, you were encouraged towards theater. Yes. Why do you think that, within the work, this thing that you were suddenly interested in, was it just the danger level that they didn't like?
1: Uh, I think danger level was a big part of it. Um, I also think that there's a level to which it just um, wasn't something they could understand. That's tough. And uh, so that... That has been tough, but I also have friends and chosen family around for whom in a very similar way to you, I didn't have to tell them I was doing this because they watched as I was doing it. They were there for it. They were part of it. They were around.
0: You know, when you train for many hours a day and you know, at the end of the day, and this this may as well be a shout out to a bunch of friends who have kept us company through a lot of this. You you know very quickly who your friends are because they're willing to just be there with you so you're not alone. Yeah. through a lot of work and I have I have never once had a moment where I didn't feel grateful for that because a lot of times coming up in this work it's very lonely because you have to convince yourself to go to go do a thing and the applause is few and far between and the rewards you know at first the early days the rewards are pretty manifest. You take every little victory, but then the further along you get, the less people are cheering unless you're doing something big. So yeah. I'm, I'm always very grateful for that. I think we've, I think we've answered this question yeah, I think pretty, that pretty well. Question. We, we veered around a bit.
1: Then I believe it's your turn. Is it my turn? To, to ask the next question. To
0: ask the next one. Wow. Well, okay, here I go. The next question. Have you ever had encounters with clowns from other clowning traditions? Schools, philosophies, those are slashes, I should have said. Uh, and how did it go when you tried to clown around or collaborate with each other? That's a really good question because it specifically says somebody who who wrote this understands that there's more than one school of thought to this. And I don't just mean the idea that, like, you and I, therefore we have two opinions about something, that there are... There are...
1: Full, full different schools. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And the
0: word... The word philosophies and traditions—that was—that's a super.
1: Those a, are, yeah. This is a great question. It's good. Um, I've had very limited experience with other traditions. Um, I feel like much of what we do has done some interesting <clears throat> fusion of American and European clown, leaning towards the European clown side. I think so. Um,
0: it says so on our on our bio. So
1: yeah, th- so. that, that seems to be the way the way we tend to do things. Um, I have not worked on stage like on a show with a clown from a different tradition.
0: It's rare that you're going to be. It's rare that you're going to be thrown together with someone without. Like that being, whether it's an audition process or you're part of a troupe, it's rare that you're going to show up and they're going, to okay, you two go do this thing. It's, it's very rare that it's going to happen. So it's not that unusual.
1: But I have done some overlap in um, in workshop. Yes. Um, uh, in, in one case, taking workshop run by American Clowns, which was that was just me learning a lot of stuff that was pretty early in my career, so I didn't really know what I was doing yet. Okay. And then later, I have had, I did one workshop where the majority of the other people taking the workshop were Payaso.
0: And how did that go for you?
1: It was a struggle in a lot of ways. Um, Payaso, the Mexican party clown, as we mentioned earlier is a, is a very different discipline like what they are used to doing is not what I'm used to doing what we were studying the workshop was focused more on a European clown style mm-hmm. but not only did I have this gap between my knowledge base and their knowledge base just as to which directions we were coming at it from there was also a language gap A language barrier. So these were people who were primarily Spanish-speaking. And I do not speak Spanish.
0: And that tripped you up.
1: That made it very difficult because we had both received instructions for whatever the piece that we were supposed to be working on, um, as an example project piece, was it's very interesting when you're when you literally receive those instructions in two languages
0: yeah
1: um and then you're you know you're trying to build through something and it's very difficult to communicate and even showing people what you're thinking about and then them showing you what you're thinking about gets to be very complex and I mean, I wouldn't say that it was a failure. I mean, we succeeded in doing the pieces that we were supposed to do. But I can say that um, much like how we pointed out the other day that almost everything has some percentage of plan and some percentage of improv. I
0: think the improv was up a little bit. Improv
1: was up a little bit. And uh, I felt very much like... It was a big lesson in just how much when you're doing something improvisationally and you think you're leading something in a particular direction because you've got an idea and you're hoping your partner's going to go with you on this idea and you put something out there, yeah. just how very differently somebody can take what it is you, what it is you led with and just take it in a completely different direction and then you just have to completely wipe your brain of any ideas you had because now you have to respond to thing they've given you and that's a standard in improv sure anyway but this really doubled down on it for me do you think it was an
0: issue of language or do you think it was an issue of culture
1: i think it was both i think it was i think there were already going to be complications due to the culture slash philosophy school barrier and then those were just compounded hmm. by the fact that we did not speak the same language because i think if we had come come from similar schools of like i think i think i could work with a spanish-speaking clown from a European tradition it's very easy for us to communicate because we're running we're, we're coming back to some of the same key ideas and half of those take words from Italian or something else anyway sure. so it's actually fairly easy to find a way to at least come back to those ideas and say you know more or less something like that not like, sure. that's not that hard but when but when you I know nothing about payaso, I knew nothing about how that tradition is done. I've got some idea of what it ends up looking like, mm-hmm. but I know nothing about how it's taught, or what the thought process is that goes into it. So I didn't have any touchstones to find to, to find my way through uh, yeah. to that communication. And European style clowning was, to at least the couple of people who I worked with over the course of that workshop was very very new so they were struggling to identify what any of those principles were or any of those ideas were so we had no touchstones on either side to find translations from and it was just very it was just a big struggle it It, was it was i learned a lot i think but it was it was a big struggle
0: Well, if you happen to ever spot the Rosetta Stone of Clown Theory, please send it along. In the meantime, you should probably ask me the same question. Um, I did have a thought for you, though. Yes. So one of the things that happened to me that was so different than your experience, Mm -hmm. um, I so early on got different disciplines taught to me. Like, it was very early on. I got exposed to one after another, you know, American clown, and then a European clown, and then I did a bunch of research, and I learned about, like, Heyuka, which is a shaman clown. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, different dance traditions and and all of these different things. I got exposed to so many of them at once that I think I sort of intrinsically caught on that there was always going to be um, translation issues. There was always going to be a problem... Of trying to, to to trying to make sense of it, and because of that, whether it was cultural or language, it didn't matter. I was always trying to find my way through it, and I think it encouraged me from day one to go looking for uh, you know th- that common ground. Mm. And I think that's I think that's very much that was very much a thing that I wish I wish I had thought to I thought to mention <laughs> before you walked in any of those rooms because. When you have that barrier, you're so stressed out. But you know, I at a certain point, saying less it works. I mean, it works functionally. Yeah. And, but but you're but if you miss the key things, you're doomed. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough.
1: Um, have you ever had encounters with clowns I have. from other clowning traditions slash schools? I have
0: slash slash because I, because as I said, I studied with a bunch of different things, and what I think happens is something one of my students actually said really rings a bell to me they said oh, we had a new student in the residency program we had a new, new student come in and we were going to have to figure out how to incorporate them into what we were doing and this, this wonderful person who later went on to perform with us for a while said we'll just go back to the beginning because we can all use that refresher and we'll, we'll learn it as if it were new and I think that has been a touch—I didn't have those words, but that has been a touchstone for me, is that if I find myself in a situation where, okay, I have an opportunity to learn a new idea or a new perspective, I want to I wanna take it as something new. And I've seen, interestingly, the same exercise. I mean, a lot of these things that we, we learn, how we learn them is through games or exercises, and then you try to apply them to scene work. Uh, and that comes, and so it's, it's very mechanical, and then it gets in your reflexes, then you put in the seamwork and you add the character to it. There's a game uh, which teaches you these sort of uh, fixed point triangles of looking at the audience, looking at the item of interest, whether it's a prop or something, looking at your partner, then moving. You know, it's a very, and it's structured, there's a count to it. And I had one teacher teach it to me and teach me the, the they were a European clown teacher, and they, they taught me the, the rigid, arithmetic of it and why it will be funny and how it supports your partner and how it keeps the scene coherent and I understood it on like a molecular level and it was really cool and I felt really good about it and I came back and I ended up taking a workshop from an American clown here uh, on physical comedy and the same exercise came up but she was amazing and she taught me instead the same idea but taught me the musicality of it The rhythm, why does the rhythm work, and how do these things happen with different rhythms, and what do those rhythms say? And I was so grateful for that perspective on an exercise that I've taught as well and that I've used, certainly, in my work. Um, And I later found out that both of these people had worked with the same teacher where they had learned it. So I got through this lineage of different perspectives, languages, styles, countries, cultures, the same tool... Taught to me in radically different ways, and it was a big, it was a big eye opener because of how you. It's the same tool; it's all in how you approach it. And like you were saying, you were talking about how someone from another culture with another language has a different set of uh, assumptions and how they work, and they don't know the thing that they're there to learn, and you only kind of know the thing that you're there to learn, you know, at that stage. Yeah. And and there's a lot of different struggles, and what happens is if you can get on the same page, you can make it work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which, the other place I learned this, um, we used to work with some acrobats, and I learned a really valuable lesson about the word complicity. In clown and in theater, you'll hear a lot about complicity. We're both in on a thing. Yeah. Um, But it really refers to being able to work with someone, being able to be complicit with the audience, connected to them, agreement with them. You have to have that in order to work. And in the case of the acrobats, they have to have it to work safely. And I deconstructed this idea into, there are like three kind of principles of it. And, you know, one is comfort. If I walk in the room and I'm uncomfortable, I can't work.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, The other one's communication. What are we here to do? Can you explain it? Obviously, you know, if it stumbles, the whole thing falls apart. And then the last one is consent. It doesn't matter how much I am comfortable. It doesn't matter how much we've talked about it. If one of us doesn't look at the other and say, are you ready to do this? Are you good to do this? And the other one doesn't say, yes, you don't do it. Yeah. And the acrobats are incredibly good about this, but how they did it was interesting. They got in the room, they got warmed up, and that made them comfortable. And they looked at each other and said, ready to work? And then they would go do really dangerous things all the way through, full speed. Because the requirement of what they did, the requirement of what they did was that they couldn't stop if someone got uncomfortable because someone would die. Yeah. Whereas with what I do with the clown work is to say, okay. Everyone has to be comfortable. The audience has to be comfortable. Everyone has to be in a good place. And all the information, if it's blurry, well, the audience is a high-level word for confusion. They love this word. Whenever they whenever they get confused because the information on stage is blurry, they call it boredom. That's the word they use for that confused state. They disconnect from what's going on because they don't understand it, so it's not for them. So communication is vital in this work. And then the last one is, is that consent was at every step, though, with the clown... I'm going to do this. Are you comfortable? Okay, we're going to do this. Are you comfortable? And it's a different paradigm of working. And getting to see both ways it worked in in this very dynamic action and this very static where at any moment we can stop and pause. And I've watched us try to work our way through. We both had the, the clown training based on this idea. Yeah. And being able to stop and go, okay, whereas somebody who didn't have that perspective which just go through and then talk about it afterwards we stop and we're like okay
1: we, when we can we've yeah. had to just, we've had to figure out how to get through the parts where we can't um, yeah because
0: you can't have an argument when you're standing on me it doesn't really no work. it doesn't work very well it doesn't and
1: work. and I know like when you mention when you mention the acrobats and how once everyone said yes you, you. are now going i just like I have the voice of my Russian hand balance coach. (laughs) Who says. Who says, if you are doing, then doing.
0: (laughs) If you are doing, then you are
1: doing. Then you are doing. Yeah. Uh, Which is, it's very important not to second guess yourself. We are. Because if you indicated movement to a partner and then you don't follow through on it.
0: That's as dangerous as doing it wrong.
1: That is as dangerous as doing it wrong. So it's. It is it has been very interesting to find where within that work we can step back, check back in with people, reevaluate things and where you just can't because you just have to you you have to assume it's still working because nobody has called down. Sure. No one has said it's time to stop.
0: Right. And you know, I think about it and I've learned Things like that, perspectives like that from probably every circus discipline, probably from every performer I've ever gotten to train with or work with or talk to. There's always a perspective to be learned because we're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to do this weird, ritualized, physicalized, imaginative, make-believe stuff in front of an audience. So we're all kind of working on the same thing. We all go about it real different. Oh, yeah. But we're, we're trying to do the same thing. So that perspective is it's really interesting. Um, on the deep end of the pool, going to the, the workshops on mask theater. And I've taken a few different mask theater workshops and how different that feels to everything else and then trying to take that and one of the things I really enjoy is trying to integrate that eventually, and we're still getting there, but to integrate that into... Uh, circus performance, so you can have characters. And there, are, we 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 have a friend who's uh, particularly good at this, and uh, yes. has been has been a guide and a teacher. Shout out to David Posnanter, um Ooh, yeah, who is who is the person you go and study that was one of the people you go and study the, the circus side of that with as well. Um, simultaneously, we studied with Steve Durand for mask and we're trying to integrate that work. And, and, and do that. And those perspectives, they feel primordial. They feel like you're, you, have, you have chained yourself to a train or a barking dog, <laughs> and you're trying to do something. I have, they're wild experiences because they don't, you know they're under your control, but they don't feel fully under your control. And so you have to learn the rituals and the rules of them to handle that. A volatile energy safely. And yeah. I, I feel the woo-woo in what I just said and but it is it is true.
1: Well and we thought it was going to be a lot like clown since clown is, is the, the small the small mask and it were not. <laughs> it wasn't. It were not. It was even more woo woo.
0: And that's and that is fine. that, I, is that good. was
1: that was good. It and, was and so mind bending though. What to I will be say, it.
0: What I will say. Much like the, you know this idea that we, we we do a lot of rehearsal in order to improvise, I don't think we would get in a room with anyone to create something without having to go through these same explorations. And I've and I've worked with other perfor I've worked with a lot of performers, and what you're doing ultimately is you're trying to learn enough of each other's language so you can have that conversation. And if there is no conversation, then you smile and you nod and you move your props out of their out of their way, and they move your props out of you. Uh, you know invite, out uh, of your yours, way. It, yeah, yeah thank you and, and yeah you, you get on with it and it's not a lack of love it's just you you are from too different a place on the journey to have any sort of to have any sort of connective tissue where you can communicate
1: yeah and and come back after the the next round of everybody taking a course somewhere
0: <laughs> and and I've said it's happened like I said one of my one of my first teachers came up and asked me about stuff I had learned eventually because we had ended up because
1: yeah, all Across of these from each other for a moment. And all of these paths involve continued study, going and studying under different oh. people, learning more things, taking more workshops.
0: The only clown that is difficult to work with, I will say this and I will get in trouble for it. The only clown that is difficult to work with is someone who learned how to do what it is they do 20 or 30 years ago and has been doing the same thing ever since and stopped learning. Because what the, and the reason why is that never mind all the little details that could come to surface, but they're no longer communicating. They're doing a choreography. They're not in the room with you. On some level, they're so polished in what they do. There's the humanity to connect to in order to communicate with it is gone. So watching them is breathtaking. Working with them, Ay yeah, yeah, it's a mess. So that would be for me the only one I haven't been able to work with, am been able to really communicate with, is the person who isn't communicating anymore. All right. All right. Okay. That's the end of my answer.
1: Well, then I will do the next question. Oh,
0: I forgot we had more. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, we have more que- We have more questions. Well, good. So here we go. Are you ready? Yes, are you ready?
0: That would be the important part, because I think you're about to read to me. I
1: am about to read you a question.
0: Good point. I'm not.
1: What about now? Yeah. Okay. If you could rename something, anything, to become the public canon term for such a thing what would you rename
0: <laughs> I love language because it's really stupid I mean the, the whole of language is actually linguistics as is a, is a science quote unquote it's a it's a bunch of people yelling about what to write down and how to write it down uh, what was that weird noise you made I, I love this and I love that terms in grow over time so I love I love that this this came to us because I am I used to be very like rigidly about where the comma gets used and how you spell things. And now I'm, I'm just excited to hear a new made-up word. Uh, I'm, very, I'm very excited by that sort of silliness. Um, but I, I am thinking that if I could pick something, because I wouldn't want to make up words. I wouldn't want to control people's language like that. But if I was to pick something that I could change, I could fix one.
1: Ooh, what would you fix?
0: Okay, this one's good. So you see. We are currently in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which, if you go and look, is referred to as the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex.
1: That is a term I have seen. That is a
0: term that I despise, and it crawls up me, and it always bothered me, and I didn't know why, and I finally went and looked it up. In my never-ending copious free time. And I looked it up, and it turns out that that was coined by an ad agency that was hired by the Board of Tourism back in the 70s. Okay. Okay. And so, like, that is a made-up word that was made up by an ad agency to describe two cities that were next to each other with another city between them, or, more accurately, a series of interconnected urban areas. And the thing is, there's already a word for that, and it's so good that I'm angry that it's not in use.
1: What is the word for that?
0: Megalopolis.
1: Megalopolis.
0: Megalopolis. The, those connected cities. We are technically in the Dallas, Arlington, Fort Worth megalopolis.
1: Oh, that's wonderful.
0: Isn't it good? I love it. So if I could fix anything, because I don't want to tell people how to talk. I don't want to tell people what to do. I want people to play with words. I want them to make up new ones. Nice ones, if they can. Mean ones, if they have to. But I would fix that if I had to like, pick something. and pick. I'd pick that. 'Cause it bothers me.
1: So this is very funny because I thought it was hilarious. Well one, it's funny in the first place. Oh. But then an additional level of funny. Two. Is that one of the names for things that have always driven me nuts mm-hmm. is I grew up in the Quad City area. Mm. The Quad Cities is a group of five cities on the border between Iowa and Illinois. So, if I remember correctly, two of them are in Illinois and three of them are in Iowa. Um, And there have since become some additional smaller areas that are getting to a size where clearly the quad cities has just decided to stop counting Mm -hmm. and if you and interestingly if you're on different sides of the river because this is across the mississippi river if you're on different sides of the river you will hear a different story as to which four cities are the official quad cities and which one is just a bonus city and those differ depending on whether you are in Illinois or in Iowa.
0: So, so I've got this right. The, the quad cities are composed of a minimum of a variable ill-defined five cities. Uh,
1: no, the five cities in question are very well defined. Which of them are the four quad cities variable?
0: Well, clearly, this is the word. And then there are now
1: additional ones.
0: This is the word you need to fix.
1: This is the word that I need to fix. And the word that I came up with when I was in high school, and I was looking at this and going, this is nonsense, was quintopolis.
0: Well, that makes sense. But you realize you could use megalopolis.
1: It is possible. I
0: could save you. We could do a twofer. I
1: feel like each of the cities in in the Quad City area which is what they now call it because they've given up. I feel like each of the cities in the Quad City area are small enough that it may not qualify as a megalopolis.
0: Oh, that's embarrassing.
1: Cuz it really felt like it felt like growing up and I haven't gone back and double-checked like what the actual population numbers are. But it felt like growing up, the only reason why any of it is considered a city is because all five of them are there.
0: Well, there you have it. Geographically speaking, we're strongly opinionated. but And uh, we
1: like opolises.
0: Apparently, we're both big on Opalises. Who knew? Weird. Anything else you want to rename while we're here? You want to take a moment?
1: Um. Well, no, we really only got a one. We got one. One it's rename. A one, I'm a going one, with the quintopolis. It said
0: one. Oh, you're right. Well, it something.
1: said something. Well, I mean, it does say something, anything. So I so suppose we could come up with more if anything we wanted else? to. You
0: got anything else you want to fix?
1: Um, no. No? Not really. You're good
0: with everything else.
1: I'm confident I could find something else.
0: Quick check. Where do you stand on the word moist? That's fine. It's fine. Doesn't yeah. bother you? Okay. No, doesn't bother me That's one usually people have opinions about, so I thought I'd throw it in there. <laughs> Plus, I've never said moist during a podcast before, and now I've said it two or three times.
1: Well done.
0: Thank you. Well, that that was that one, yeah? Yeah. All right. Uh, here you go, you can read it to me.
1: Um, No, no, I can't.
0: What do you mean, no, no, you don't know the words?
1: I I do know the words. However, this one has, in asterisks uh, in front of the question, the statement, New York mob voice. And I don't have a New York mob voice. You don't have
0: a New York mob voice.
1: And as you do, I don't want to offend you with the level of... No New York oh, you mob can boys. Do, I
0: have. You can do this. I can walk you through this. Warm up with me. Okay. How you doing?
1: How you doing?
0: Whew, it's worse than I thought. Forget about it.
1: Forget about
0: no, it. No, no. Seriously, forget about it. I'll do it. Okay. Because <laughs> it's not. It's not gonna. You want to try one more? Hey, I'm walking here.
1: No, I'm not even. You're not try even gonna that. try. I'm come
0: gonna... on.
1: Hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> I told you, I don't have this accent. <laughs> this is not what I practice. This is not
0: a thing you've got. You know, I'm a person, if you will, who knows how to talk like this. You do not. And that is fine. It's fine. But you should stop talking. Forget about it is what I'm trying to say. So the question, your question, in the New York mob voice, best one. I, maybe I should do the other one. Do the other one. Oh, you see, I got to do like this. You know, how you doing? Okay. Hey, where'd you hide the money? Oh, that was good. Yeah, that, that was, was really good. very upsetting. Like it. Yeah, yeah you it was hide good. The, okay. Where'd you hide the money?
1: There is no money.
0: Well, that was short.
1: What money? There's no money.
0: There's no money.
1: I'm a clown.
0: In a closet. Uh, I mean, you have a room.
1: I have a room. I have. I have a roof over my head and food in the pantry, but I do not have anything more.
0: Well, that's sad. I'll give you a pair of socks or a nice hat.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's the least I can do. The, w- no, the... but I, mean, like, I think I think I think this is a very fun a very fun silly question. Where do I the
0: money? We, there is I, was, like,
1: I can always say
0: What do you want to say? You to? Know,
1: find find the map.
0: Find the map. In the back Wherein of the you Wherein know.
1: you'll, you'll find the path that will lead you through a set of Complicated riddles and questions, and make you have to steal some national monument in order to find the money. What happened?
0: <laughs> what happened to you?
1: I've watched films growing up. I, it's I, fine. I see that. I see that. I mean, I could always go with that, but uh, yeah. in reality, I don't. I don't have money. I don't have money to hide.
0: I think. I think on a more on a more serious tack, the reality is. Um, the arts I'm making big bunny quotes around the arts is not uh, something you get into uh, to to get rich you always hear rich and famous maybe you'll get a little famous and even if you're famous it's a small number of people who do who do anything you know that gets that gets them also that the rich yeah. Um I am I'm lucky We we did as as arts businesses we did really well and we've done really well um we you know we we've, we've done a lot of work. We work really hard, and that's led us to to be at a place where you know we again we we get potatoes.
1: Yeah, like we're um, we're weathering all of this. Yeah,
0: and you know it, in the broader scheme, you know you may be working on a project that pays well, or you may you may be um, you know you may be a recipient of a grant or or something like that. But it's it, those again. They are a ton of work, and they are their own thing, and it's. It's difficult because I think there's the perception that walking around, you know, dressing silly, being funny, doing doing tricks is uh, is easy money. And it, Oh, it's it, not. It's never been. It's never been. And I I remember, I'll tell you, I remember early on a moment it got serious for us. Um my origin, my, my origin of the circus freak story very briefly. So we had a group of people that were a juggling club, and we were getting to the point where we were starting to get gigs, and we got offered a, a pretty, a pretty impressive one back in the day, many moons ago. And uh, we pulled everybody together, have a little business meeting, all of us sitting around, uh, sitting around on the floor, as I recall, and um, I I was explaining that okay, so somebody called and. Uh, they wanted they wanted to hire us and it was gonna be you know something where we had to get properly insured and you know for this sort of stuff that they wanted us to do and we were gonna to have to you know open a bank account and all you know all those things that the actual businesses do. And one by one everybody took their two fingers and they touched their nose.
1: Two fingers?
0: Yeah they all were one finger or two finger I don't the point is I didn't know what that was. I didn't know about the game Nose goes. Like Nose Goes Who's going to do the dishes? And the last person that touched them, I have to do the dishes because I was slow. Well, everybody in the room went like this. And I was sitting there thinking, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> what does what what, what that mean? What, and I start touching my nose. Well. They say, it's too late. You're it. You're in charge here. I was like, what? <laughs> they had already known that I, I was already doing that job. And they were already in support of me doing that job. And the moment that it came to be professional, the only reason why anyone was going to count beans and do that and, and do paperwork and do that was so we could keep doing the job. And since then, that's always been my perspective is it's, it's about the work. Are we doing good work? We keep doing it. If it's hard that week, we help each other out. But it's never, it's never going to be about the bag of money because if a bag of money fell from the sky...
1: You'd best step out of the way. It
0: will crush you. Yeah, I was going to say a duffel bag full of money falling in a minimum of two stories.
1: Yeah, no, that's going to be a bad thing. You're going to be killed. So yeah, yeah, you don't. No, have... step out of the step out of the way pick it up afterwards.
0: Now you're thinking. I wish I'd thought of that the last time the bag fell next to me.
1: But uh Yeah, I think I think good. You do it because you love it.
0: And we do. I think one thing the last, uh, the, last, the last bit of time we've spent very, very close to home has taught me is uh, I'm doing the work because, because I love it, because I want it, and not because there's some payoff in the end. And I, I said this earlier. I said, you know, if you don't love every bit of the dirty work, don't do it.
1: Well, because if you, if you take—if if you decide to go down the route of— taking how much you're getting paid on your show day and dividing that out by all of your rehearsal time by all of your oh, practice time by oh, all of your skill building time oh, flip
0: burgers don't do that flip burgers don't instead. do that make you coffees don't want to see make that coffees number. those yeah. are good choices you know the other thing I think about is and this is maybe this is the only business advice I could give to performers um I started out doing a lot of junk gigs, got to a point where I could do good gigs. And I was like, oh, I could do good gigs now. You know, that that felt really good. That was a big deal. But the piece of advice I have is, as you're going through, realize one day that your work has value. And there'll come a moment where someone will ask you to do something for exposure. First of all, realize people die from exposure every year. What they're actually asking you to do is to do something for free or for the the illusion of free, or underpaid. And I came to the conclusion that I would rather work for free than underpaid. And here's why. It goes back to this thing about doing it for the love. If I'm doing the work, and I'm on a job site, and I'm being paid well, then I'm there for it. I've signed the contract, I've taken the deal, we're here to work. Doesn't matter what it takes, if it's a little more work, well, I'm already working. If someone's trying to cut the cost, well, then you have to think about cutting corners and you immediately go into this mindset, like passing the hat around, that it becomes all about that. And I don't think you can do effective, creative work when it's ultimately about that. I mean, it has to factor in. I'm not being, I'm not being super idealist here, but there'll come a point where someone will come to you and say, look, we're a tiny org and we're doing something that's very meaningful. Can you help us? And at that point, rather than going, well, I'll cut you such a deal, say, yeah, I'm there. And it changes things because at that moment, well, now I'm giving you my time, my energy, my exposure. But you haven't
1: lessened the value of it.
0: Thank you for putting it into better words than I could have myself. My advice is to value yourself, and you can give that value away, but don't undervalue yourself just to get the deal. Because in the end, there will always be another deal. There will always be another gig. There will always be another project, as long as you're still working and doing.
1: And... And the person or the people involved in the deal where, involved in the project where you volunteer your time, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember what your rate is. And the next time they find a situation that can pay you. You're will. the one they're going to remember.
0: And in fact, I've had Circus Freaks built a lot of their reputation on exactly that because we would do, we would do work kind of in, we had a kind of an outreach thing that there was a certain amount of work we were going to give away, in the name of helping people and helping and bringing. Because we're we're loud, you know. It's like the, the parade we talked about. It's it's we we bring a lot of attention to a thing. If you bring us there, we, we're loud. It's, I mean, visually, creatively. And so that, that energy has value, and, and, people, and people get it. And so when we bring that, it's, it's good that it, it gets remembered and it gets seen well. That's weird. I don't normally talk about the work side, of you know, the, the, the Bean County work side of it. It's, it's, it's interesting because it's always a bit of a struggle because there's, there's one part of me that absolutely is wearing the idealist hat, and there's another part of me that knows it is, at the end of the day, it's a job. It's a weird job. Um, but uh, you know, I got to make it work. So I try to make it work. And that's the one piece of advice that I found that makes no sense. It counters everybody telling you everything, but it, but it has worked for me. And so, uh, we didn't hide the money, but maybe we didn't take it a few times. (laughs) Accurate. And that is our, the last question we brought with us. Yep.
1: That's all we have got.
0: That's what we got for today. I think we, I think we did Okay.
1: There is, however, another stack. We will be back.
0: We will be There's back. There's
1: more questions to answer.
0: We'll be back with another stack. Yeah. Ooh, why didn't we say We would have sounded so together if we had just said that. Oh uh, well. Nothing to be done but escape now.
1: Let us out.
0: Before we go, thank you for keeping us company in the closet. This has been...
1: Two Clowns in a Closet.
0: And we'll see you next time.